Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and in this episode we are continuing our Star Wars series with one of my personal favorite Star Wars films, Rogue One. As with all of these Star Wars episodes, there are definitely some spoilers in here, so for the love of all that's good, if you haven't seen this movie, go watch it right now. It is so good, and I think it's the one that has the most appeal to those who don't necessarily consider themselves fans of Star Wars, so, uh, you know, try something new, like you sometimes branch out and try a new bottle of wine. Before we dive in, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug. My first audiobook that I have narrated is now available. The book is called Shadowborn, book one of the Light and Shadow series by Moira Katzen. As you can probably tell, it is a sort of classic high fantasy story, and the way I describe it is, imagine a young adult version of Game of Thrones told solely from Arya's perspective if her worst enemy slash best friend was Marjorie Tyrell. Who doesn't want to hear that story, right? It was so fun to record, and I can't wait for people to hear it. This audiobook was completely self-produced. I recorded it, edited it, and paid for it to be mastered by my good, good friend and audio wizard, Jared Paul. All in all, creating this book took about three months of full-time work, and I have three more books to go. Hopefully the rest will take me less time because I've figured some things out. But I'm doing the whole project as a royalty share, which means that I didn't receive any money up front, and I only get a portion from the sales from the book. So I would really appreciate it if you would maybe take a listen or share it with a friend that you think might like it. It's taking a long time to be available on Audible, Overdrive, and Hoopla, and a couple other resources, but I'll be sure to announce when it is available on those ones. But for now, you can listen to it on Apple if you have an iPhone, Google Play if you have an Android, Chirp, and a few other different resources, including some that offer a free trial, like Scribdy. I'll put links in the show notes to all of these resources, and I thank you, thank you so, 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 so much in advance for listening and sharing it with your friends. Speaking of thanks, thank you so much to our patrons, notably to our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Allison Turi, and Jacob Penfold, who are definitely the team that I would assemble to take down the Death Star, and to our advanced producers, Mara Zobrist and Michael Beck, who are one with the Force and the Force is with them. If you would like the Force to be with you, too, come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where for as little as $1 a month, you can get access to bonus content like wine fun facts, personalized pairings, and more. Without further ado, here is episode 58, Rogue One. All right, Winston, we're back. Let's talk about Rogue One. That was a really beautiful song. Thank you. I wrote it for you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Um, In case you couldn't quite hear what Winston said, we're back in our Star Wars series, making our way chronologically through the story. So we just left off with Solo. So next chronologically is Rogue One. Rogue one. Rogue fucking one. What an amazing movie. Every time I rewatch the, that movie, I'm like, this might objectively be the best Star Wars movie. I I cannot in good faith dispute that assertion. You know, I, it's not I necessarily... I think it's wonderful, and it just... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, no, I'm sorry. It's not... I was just going to say, it's not necessarily my favorite Star Wars movie. I mean, it's up there. It's definitely up there. Top three for sure. Top three for sure. Like, I think for me, it it might be Empire, Last Jedi, Rogue One. I think that says a lot about me. I think you're. I think you're. I think your your top three. That's not not too controversial. No, I don't think. No, I don't think that's controversial at all. I mean, I think there's. It. It's funny, and one thing. One thing that we can sort of talk about a little bit is um kind of the the controversy surrounding the newer star wars movies and and there surprisingly was not a lot surrounding rogue one 
Well, I, th- I think that... From, like, the hardcore Star Wars right. fans, which can be some of the worst fans I in think, the world. <laughs> I think the, the most salient criticism I've heard of Rogue One is it's not a Star Wars movie. Yeah. To which I say, yes, you're correct. It's a war movie. Yeah. Situated in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, it's not a Star Wars movie. It's a war film. And it is an exceptional war film. But I see, I disagree. I think it's a, I think it is a Star Wars movie. Just like, well, so, I mean, I think both can be true. I think it, you know, it is a war movie set in the Star Wars universe. But like I was talking with Brandon in the solo episode, like that's a cowboy movie, but it's still set in the Star Wars universe. It's still a Star Wars movie to me. Sure. Yeah. And, and. Rogue One is kind of the other side of that. It's the darker side of the Star Wars universe. Uh, That's my feeling. It's also, I think, the most um, communist of the Star Wars movies. (laughs) Yep, yep, definitely, definitely. If you listeners are familiar with, um, like, the the um, pre-sequel canon, but Mm. all the... All the fighters and weapons and droids and everything are made by these huge multi-solar system corporations, Ooh. and Rogue One doesn't. Rogue One doesn't care about that shit at no. all. Rogue no, One not is at like, all. here's a tiny band of commandos who are going to try and bring down an empire, and give. Sorry, spoilers. Their lives in the process. Yeah, I mean that was the big shocker. I mean, there's going to be spoiler warnings for this. For you know all the Star Wars episodes. If you haven't, if you haven't seen Star Wars, then you know what are you doing? Also, if you haven't seen Rogue One, do yourself a favor and yeah. watch Rogue One. Yeah, it is a fuck. It is up there in my top ten war movies. Yeah, let's leave Star Wars aside for yeah. a second. Yeah, I think like Saving Private Ryan just recently, nineteen seventeen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Platoon. Mm-hmm. Heart, um. Uh, Apocalypse Dark. Now, Apocalypse now. Uh, uh, Sands of Iwo Jima, mm. um, the Russian film Stalingrad, mm. like, or maybe that's a German film, actually, I'm sorry if it is, but like those those movies are like, they transcend their genre, yeah. and I yeah. think that this does too, even as a war movie, which it is, it's a dyed-in-the-wool war movie, Absolutely. but I think it does some incredible stuff yeah. in that genre. And it is it is all about, you know, fighting together and and sacrificing oneself for the greater good. Right. And and that becomes more real. And as we've talked about, we talked about in the in the prequels episode to a certain extent, we talked about how, you know, there is some amount of loss and sacrifice in almost all of the Star Wars movies and like that's that's part of that's right. part of the world. Never is it more intense than in Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, because they make you fall in love with, with several individuals, yeah. and then they yeah. they make you watch them die. Yeah, and I think that is something that the reason I mentioned Sands of Iwo Jima is that that's a film that does that yes. too. Yes, it, you know is is I haven't seen a, Sands of Iwo Jima, but I it's I, a John Wayne movie. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those classic tropes where like the guy from Brooklyn is like, "Hey, when I get back to New York, I'm gonna get me one." those nice filiato I'm gonna give me one of those <laughs> nice pizza sl- and then boom like the, <laughs> the mm-hmm, artillery goes mm-hmm. off in the tent and he's the first one to die you know oh man and it's that was that was the trope for a lot of war movies was like watching who in the squad is gonna make it yeah and yeah. in this one they were like nobody makes it yeah literally nobody no it's I didn't really plan anything wine-wise to talk about, which is always a scary thing. But well, I did. But I did have one thought, and it, which is just talking about it as a war movie, and in our, you know, current modern history, the the most, at least in in the Western world, the the wars that pop to mind are, you know. The, the big world wars, um, the big ones, one and two so far. And or the brush fire wars we've been in ever since. Yes, yes. 
And so um, I wanted to talk a little bit. The, the, the wine region that always pops to my mind when I talk about war is Alsace in France because... Right, it was so contested. It was so contested. Or... Yeah. And so Alsace is this territory now in France, but contested between France and Germany. Right. For a long time. And, and a lot of the names of things are German in Alsace. Right. And uh, and so I, I always think about that. And it's a region that I, that I love. The wine is spectacular from Alsace. And people don't know about it or think about it so much. And so I, I thought that could be that could be a kind of cool place to start, at least with Rogue One. We'll see where we get to. Um, but I've, I've talked about it a little bit before in the in the Lord of the Rings episodes originally. Um, I think I paired Alsace with Lothlorien, possibly. Mm. I, think, I think I did. But so there are four noble grapes of Alsace. I'd have to double check. Um, Riesling, Gewürztraminer, Muscat... And Pinot Gris, I want to say, and um, and then there's another great grape coming from Alsace, but it's not considered one of the noble grapes, and that is Pinot Blanc, and that's a grape that I love and haven't talked about in a long time, and I think Pinot Blanc is a great wine for Gin Urso. Talk about it. But so I think that's a great wine for Gin Urso because she kind of sneaks in there because I mean it's not that she's forgotten, but people don't really pay her the attention that she's due and that's in this case a, a, a benefit because she's able to to like you know save the world um, so Pinot Blanc is a grape that um, it's very dry usually it can be sweet sometimes but it's usually dry um, and sort of like a few of my other favorite grapes like Chenin Blanc. Very vibrant fruit to it, but nice high acidity. It's a little bit more floral than uh, Chenin Blanc. So so uh, in that sense, I like it slightly less. because I a little more sweetness. Little bit, little okay. bit, yeah. A little more aromatics to it, I gotcha. would say. Um, but still usually dry. Comparatively, so the other grapes that I mentioned, Gewürztraminer, is a polarizing grape because it is very, very aromatic and can be super sweet, um, can be great, but is is very distinctive, kind of rich, unctuous, aromatic. It is fabulous also, by the way. Oh, yeah. There are great, great Gewürztraminers out there for sure. Um, but it's a, it's a food wine. Like, it's never a wine that I would really want to drink on its own. It, yeah, no, I would you only need some cheese. Some cheese or some meats or something to go with it. Riesling, talked about a lot. Riesling is the best. Love it. Fucking yeah. love Riesling. Um, and Alsatian Riesling. I just had an amazing, or I tasted an, uh, an amazing Alsatian Riesling today from Pierre Spar. I've asked you this like a million times. Yeah, but sure. the difference between an Alsatian Riesling mm-hmm. and, and a, like a, and a German, German Riesling. Riesling like, um, even though well, some could argue that Alsatian Riesling is also German. Oh, this would be highly contested. Um, <laughs> so... So I'm German, everybody. He can he can do it. He's German. (laughs) But so, you know, the I would say more often Alsatian Riesling is dry. Um, It's not always dry. It's not like Austrian Riesling. That is like 99 percent of the time it's dry, but it's usually drier and and sometimes has a little bit more body to it than German Rieslings. This is a generalization because Riesling is really, you know, Germany's great wine. Yeah. And what and about Blaufrankisch? That is Austrian. That's Austrian. Yeah, yeah. and that's a red wine, um, okay. which is also terrific. Just mainly um, Riesling and Gewürztraminer that are the German wines, the German whites. Yes, and Pinot Gris as well. And Pinot Gris. Okay. Pinot Gris. And Pinot Gris is also really good from Alsace, um, which, and that is also can be dry or can be sweet. But um, that is another awesome, awesome wine. Um, But yes, Alsace is mostly known for its white wines. It does make some Pinot Noir, but not a lot. Uh, But that's most of the red wine you'll see coming out of Alsace's Pinot Noir. Oh, and the other other 
you know, quote unquote, noble grape is Muscat. And a lot of these grapes, the reason why they are considered the noble grapes is because they used to be, they used to make primarily dessert wine in Alsace. And that so those four grapes, before... yeah, exactly. And so those four, four grapes were the main, the main grapes in some of those dessert wines. But yeah, so I, I thought that was a, a cool place to start. And let's see, so I've talked about a few grapes, so let's pair them with some more. I'm, I gave Pinot Blanc to Gin Urso, who is not part of the nobility, but should be. All right, but it's your responsibility to remember the designation of the robot that Alan Rick Alan Tudyk plays. Alan Tudyk plays. I don't remember. No, nope. I don't. <laughs> He's fantastic. Though. I gotta, I gotta look it up. You are being rescued. Please do not resist. Oh my God, <laughs> Alan Tudyk is so good. He's fantastic. Also, is it um, who's the very handsome man? Diego Luna. Diego Luna, oh. whose name, it, whose character's name, I also can't remember. So yeah. I'm looking this up. And then also Donnie Yen, which Ugh. if you're a fan of martial arts and you haven't seen the Ip Man movies, at least the first two. You need to go watch those right now because they're phenomenal. And Donnie Yen is one, and he, I think he really shows off his acting chops in this mm, movie. Yeah, yeah, as like absolutely a religious zealot a who blind. And didn't he create a, his own like a new form of martial arts for this? Yeah, movie? they were they were like uh, um, do a thing, and so he made up a whole new different kind of like staff fighting that. Essentially, he codified into a martial art because that's how his mind works. So he's like, I'll develop a whole system. Okay. Alan Tudyk, the, his, uh, the designation is K2SO. 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 K2. And uh, Diego Luna's character's name is Cassian Andor. Andor. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so good. And so I love, I just want to say, okay, I, one of the things I wanted to bring up because we're talking about things being hotly contested within the Star Wars fandom. And I'm sure that there was a certain amount of horrible, sexist, racist responses to Rogue One because, you know, it's, again, a, a, a woman is the main protagonist and she is aided by a, I believe Diego Luna is from Mexico, I believe. I mean, obviously, obviously, but within the world, people of color, Donnie Yen and Wen Jiang, I think. And then the guy who plays the guy who plays the pilot is, I believe, of Indian descent Mm -hmm. Um, or Pakistani, possibly Pakistani. Yes. Riz Ahmed. Um, So um, and obviously Forrest Whitaker is in it. That is one really cool thing about the movie is that yeah. it shows off like ethnic diversity. In exactly, Star Wars. and that's sort of and like in in a way because what's it what's it called? The Force Awakens had come out, mm-hmm. and so we'd gotten Finn and Rey, and so people were already being yeah. people had to white awful. nationalist about that totally. And then Return of the, uh, or Last Jedi. Last was, Jedi. Well, that's where people. How dare went an Asian off. woman? Well, that's what. Exist. So this is my question. I don't think there was such a vitriolic response to Donnie Yen. Right. And. And I think his name is Wen Wen Jiang. Well, I think part of it is misogyny. Like people are more willing to accept a male person of color than a female. Exactly. And then I think the other part of it is that it wasn't like a real episode. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't. You can ignore this. And so and so I guess those who those who want to dismiss it as not a Star Wars movie could could do so. But and by the way, if you're one of those people you suck. Oh yeah, also, super. If you don't be a Nazi. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I think that's one of the fundamental uh one of the fundamental takeaways from Rogue One yeah. and Star Wars generally speaking. Yeah. But, but also Rogue One is mean about it. Oh yeah. Rogue One is like, no, the, the first time we meet Diego Luna, he's yeah. executing somebody in yeah. the street where he's like, "Yeah, you gave me all the information." Boop. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're not. It you know not saying that these people are all good. You know, right. I mean, but you got to pick a side and you got to right. fight the Nazis. Yeah, and it's very cool in that sense. I think it's almost like an Eastern kind of war movie because like there's a yeah, lot of Soviet yeah. movies about mm-hmm, fighting the Nazis, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of like that. Where like. All right, well, the people in charge are terrible, but also these Nazis just came to our home, mm-hmm. so let's fight them. 
And yeah, maybe it's sort of morally ambiguous in a way. At least at the beginning of Rogue One, I think he gets a lot more clear, sort of as you yes, go. Yes, yes. That one side is genocidal, and the other side yes. is not. Yeah, but it it really puts into relief in a in a new way in the Star Wars universe what the stakes are. You know how it came to be possible that Leia gets the the Death Star plans, you know, right. or, you know, like which at, at that end sequence. Is oh, just that end sequence is so. There's masterful. there's so many sequences in this movie that are just like breathtaking and heart stopping. The beach battle scene also beach is battle scene phenomenal and, and Donnie yes. and, and Wing oh. um, Wen Jiang I Wen think Jiang. their their scenes and the pilot scene they're they're all so amazing yeah. And, and they, it really feels like the oh, so this is what war is like. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, so many people in any conflict anywhere in the world, they're like the people who are like, I will grab the grenade and throw it out yeah. of the thing, or yeah. I will be the person who gets the key into the whatever, you know. Yeah. And you know, obviously, I I don't mean to disrespect veterans with my light knowledge of what people are sacrificing their lives no, for, no. but I do think that that's portrayed very well. Yeah. In terms of, all right, well, now's the time. Yeah. And, and now they, or never. All the characters are given a really cool moment. Yeah. Like that. Like none of them are just sort of casually blown up. So maybe that's not accurate to war because some people are just well, casually like incinerated. And it's still a Star Wars movie, so they don't want to be super, super graphic necessarily. No. But this is a, this is a movie in which every character dies. Yeah, every every, every main every principal character, good character yeah, yeah, every principal good character, um, dies. Though and they do it in sort of a World War Two movie kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Sands of Iwo Jima, it's like, you know, the explosion goes off right next to you, and then the body is intact, mm-hmm. but like, oh, I'm dead now. You know, and yeah. that's a very hallmark World War Two kind of thing. Definitely. And so it had some of that nostalgia for me as sure, well. Sure, sure. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> when we when we went to record this uh, this episode, Winston literally clapped his hand and said, "Yay, a war movie!" <laughs> <laughs> so that gives you a little sense of uh, Winston's uh, taste in in film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I fight the state all the time. Yeah, it's cathartic for whatever reason. <laughs> War movies often show um, white men in authority being laid low as yeah. often as they elevate them. I don't know. I can't really think of a moral justification it, for the white-centric documentary nature of most war films, but I do yeah. just find... I mean, it, it, if you're somebody who's interested in drama, it's like the most extreme human condition you can contemplate. So Yes, Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a reason why there are a lot of war movies. Right. Um, And high school movies. Those are the other two. (laughs) Those are the two extremes. Saving Private Ryan and Mean Girls. That's what what will be left. The highest stakes you can get. (laughs) That's it. Okay, let's take a quick breather here so that I can tell you about our sponsor for this week, Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. It's almost March, which I know is a tricky time for me health-wise. The cold weather has got me down, but I'm starting to look forward to warmer days, and that makes me more motivated to get healthy. But that can be hard to do without help. And that's where Care Of comes in. Care of helps you set a resolution you'll actually keep and make 2020 the year to prioritize you and commit to staying on top of your health. The convenient daily packs are perfect for an on-the-go lifestyle. Just throw one in your purse or gym bag and you're on your way. I also have been bringing a shake made from their chocolate protein powder to work with me, and it's nutritious and gives me the energy that I need to get through the day. What makes Care of different is the quality that you can see and taste. They're focused on the quality, science, and research that goes into each of their products and recommendations. Their yummy protein powders are made from real ingredients that you can recognize, like organic cocoa and pink Himalayan sea salt. Like I said, the chocolate is my favorite, and you can make it into a smoothie by adding yogurt and berries to it. It's delicious! 
Health is now made easy thanks to Care-of's online quiz. You take a short quiz and answer some questions about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle, and Care-of will recommend a list of vitamins and supplements specifically for your health needs and goals. You can follow Care-of's expert recommendations or adjust your pack at any time. What you receive is totally up to you, and you all know flexibility is very important to me. After taking this quiz, which was super fun and informative, I've been playing around with what vitamins and supplements seem to work best for me over the past few months, and I really appreciate how easy it is to adjust my order. One of the vitamins I've found that really makes a difference with how I feel is magnesium, and there's no way that I would have known that I might need magnesium without taking the online quiz. So right now, for 50% off your first Care-of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo code PAIRING. This is an especially good deal because the 50% off code is only good through the end of February, and then it will go back to the 25% off. So make sure to act now. Once again, that's TakeCareOf.com and the promo code PAIRING for 50% off your first online order. And now, back to the show. But I know you you had some more grape talk that you need to do. Oh, but yeah, I was, was going to pair some grapes with, yeah. with some characters. But, but I was also thinking the way the show deals with religion, or the mm, movie deals yes, with religion, yes. is an interesting I definitely thing wanted to talk about that because what we see in Donnie Yen's character yeah. is I am really, one with the force, and the force is with me. Really interesting. And because there's always been, and I, I want to get your, your opinion on it, both as a bigger Star Wars fan than I and someone who is probably more educated in in Eastern religion than I am, but um, there's always been sort of an Eastern kind of mentality to the Jedi, I feel like. And I think would that's I, fair. Would I be wrong to say that, that no, there's I some think... influence of kind of Buddhism and... I mean, I mean and... I'm no expert in any of those I'm not, I'm not either at all. If you are, I'm so sorry. But... Please please tell me. It's something that I'm really lacking in knowledge in. And so... But yeah, I, I can see that yeah. as, a, as a realistic comparison. Probably started out, you know, with George Lucas as kind of a, yeah. you know, racist Though the Jedi Order is like a centrally controlled religion True. in the style of the Catholic Church. But at True. this point, that's all done with. Right. And I do think that it's an interesting sort of combination of both Buddhist and Catholic mantra. The yeah. fact that this character is always saying, like chanting, yeah. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. Yeah. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. You it's know, beautiful. Like, it's There's something. First of all, it's gorgeous the way he deploys it. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's also an interesting commentary on the really, like when when you're not magic, and maybe mm-hmm. Donnie Yen is a little bit magic because he's supposed to be a blind yeah, you know, like it seems, it seems see, like he's an old con- Eastern trope, right? right? Like he is connected to the Force. He's not a Jedi, but I also, but he's he's also got his meat shield with the <laughs> with the big gun, you right, know? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean, look, you can be a Buddhist monk and still be gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I I think it's interesting. Um, he he makes the religion so real in this way that like. Not everybody's going to feel this way, but there are some people who are not Jedi, who don't have magical superpowers. Yeah. Who, and again, I, oh God, I can't believe I'm not remembering this now because I even own the Takeshi Kitano version, but the there's like a series of Japanese films mm. about a samurai who is blind, mm, who is mm-hmm. like super so good at it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Takashi Kitano did a remake of it in like 2002. I'm really upset with myself that I don't remember. We can, but, we can look that up. Um, but Donnie Yen is sort of based on that archetype, and it's not an uncommon archetype in some Eastern cinema. The Blind Swordsman? The Blind Swordsman, yeah, it's Zatoichi. Zatoichi. That's, that's what it is. There's a lot of Zatoichi films, and it's all like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, and it is a, it is a trope, but you know, like you know, sort of like there's a the, the cowboy trope of, right. in that, Solo. You yeah, know, I'm not like, saying it's like a bad trope or anything. I'm no, just it no, and I think I think that I agree. I really liked seeing someone. You know, what's been really nice in mostly Rogue One and Solo, but a little bit in these sequels as well is seeing people who aren't in 
the midst of, you know, who right. who aren't Jedi, who aren't generals, or, right. you know, we're seeing other people, the people behind the scenes a little bit. I actually and think so, that scene with Rose Tico's sister where she's kicking to get the, uh, the bomb uh, release That's thing, one of the best scenes in... That's amazing. Like, in the yeah. whole series, yeah, I don't think absolutely. there's a scene that's quite as good as that. I think absolutely. it's amazing. And, like, you understand the stakes, you get what's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. It is horrifying. Yep. And people just had to do that shit. Well, imagine. yes, and I just and just to say, but but I feel like, you know, Donnie Yen, in this in this movie, is kind of the only religious figure that we see who is not a Jedi. Right, and that's and, that's a novel thing. Yeah, and you know, so obviously somebody who believes in the Jedi religion, but who is not a Jedi. Right, right, and that's very interesting. And there's a lot to unpack there, you know, in yeah. terms of. Well, and what I like but, is that you're left to speculate. Oh, did the Force protect him when he was doing X, Y, and Z, or did mm-hmm. the Force allow him to do X, Y, and Z? But mm-hmm. it's the movie never tells you one yeah. way or the other. No. This I love that. Like, I love that. Here's a blind martial arts master who is a devout believer in the Jedi religion, and we'll see. Like you, you make your own conclusions. Yeah. And that's the first Star Wars movie that's brave enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because every every other Star Wars movie, even Solo, it's like Force yes, Force no. Yeah. Well, the Force is hardly a part of Solo at yeah, all. Yeah, not at all, really, because it's not a cowboy all, movie. Yeah, exactly. Name, but um, but in the new trilogy, it's like Force, no Force. Force, no force. Yeah, you know? and then yeah. they, we'll talk yeah. about Rise of Skywalker later. But. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But, but yeah, I, I, I mean, that's probably my favorite part. Donnie Yen is probably my favorite part of this this movie and his character. I think is really really interesting. I mean, there is not a a, a character of the main characters that I don't like. And that is another war movie thing. It's yeah. like there's eight people or whatever. Yeah. How, it how is, many is it? Was it Donnie Yen? Uh, uh, Jin Erso, played by, uh, what's her name? Felicity Jones. Right. Got and then Cassian. Cassian. Uh, K2. K2. Wen Jiang. Wen Jiang. And the pilot is. The pilot is, oh my God, what's his name? Because he's also a wonderful actor. He is. I love. The character, the character's name is Bodhi, right? Um, and but the, the actor's, the name, actor's is... name is Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed, yes. So there's like six people, and you care about all of them, and then you watch them. Yeah, die. yeah. He is British Pakistani, by the way, the actor. But so I think it's like those six main characters, yeah. And then you've got, you got Forrest the... Whitaker, right? And Mads and, Mikkelsen. And Mads Mikkelsen. What a fucking career Mads Mikkelsen has had. What a what a weird career he's know, had. Right. But he's managed to like really really be quite successful. He's been in a in a in a Marvel movie. He's been in a Wait, Star which Wars Marvel movies. Oh, he's that's in right. He's Doctor in Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. Right. which is definitely the worst villain. Not his fault, but like. I don't know. I think he's vi- better than Malkith and Thor too. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, Malkith, played by uh, Christopher Eccleston. I do love Christopher Eccleston. Who doesn't love Christopher Eccleston? But so. Yes, but he's one of the lamer, lamer villains. But, I, I I agree. But but uh, but he's great in this great part in this. Yeah, and also oh yeah, also just the whole start of the movie with, uh, her running away as a child and the dude coming and, oh man, it's a it it like no part of this movie, is not slapping you in the face with how awful the world can be. <laughs> uh, yeah, and war is horrible. Yes. And, and that's yes. the only Star Wars movie that makes that point. Yeah. But let me go let me go back to these these grapes of Alsace and let me see who I can pair them with um, of of our main six people. So we've got the four well, I'm not gonna pair all of them because Muscat and Gewurztraminer, I don't want to give those to our to our main characters because those are aromatic grapes um but so i think pinot gris is a great grape for cassian oh okay. yeah yeah because he's interworldly sure yeah pinot gris is everywhere 
end, um, and it's very different wherever it is. So, but what is the, again? I've asked you this before, but what is the real difference between Pinot Gris and Pinot Grigio? Pinot Grigio comes from Italy, and Pinot Gris is everywhere else. It's same grape, the same grape. Okay, genetically, there might they might be slightly different because at this point there's so many little clones and genetic, you know mutations or whatever that they might not technically be the same anymore but pinot gris and pinot grigio that's an instance of just one's french and one's italian (laughs) and for some reason most of the world i mean you'll see some pinot grigio coming from like california but for the most part other than Italy, people call it Pinot Gris, and it, but it, but it tastes very different. I would say Pinot Gris from Alsace is very, very different from Pinot Grigio in in Italy. Uh, Pinot Grigio tends to be a little bit more phenolic, a little bit more like citrus fruit driven. What's phenolic again? A little bitterness. I'm sorry. Oh, gotcha. Sorry. Sometimes I get into my my little wine jargon. No, I, I just. Um, but yes, phenolic is basically a way to say slightly tannic white wine. To talk about the phenols, so a little more base than acidic. A little more bitter, a little more bitter, kind of, kind of. But it's a, it's also a base bitter. Sure. Acidic is sweet. Mm, I don't think. uh, (laughs) I don't know. No, I grew up in the evangelical church. Yeah, (laughs) no, I don't think that's maybe, but not in how, not in terms of how I think about wine. Okay. Um, Sorry. But that's okay. Proceed. Thank you. But so. But so yeah, so so Pinot Gris for for Cassian. Um, what about K two S O. K two S O. I think he's gotta be. See, I was gonna give Riesling to uh, to Donnie Yen's character because he's razor sharp, but um, in terms of his, you know. Abilities, because he doesn't, he can't see, so he has yeah. to hone everything. Now I want to watch the movie again. I know. Well, I said we could watch the movie again. <laughs> I know, but it's burned into my I brain. I know. I know. I the last time I watched it, I think you asleep or something, and oh, man, I just bawled. I know. So many tears. Actually, my my biggest cry moment is the K two S O moment. Yeah. Where it's like goodbye. Yeah. Ugh. That's Ugh. amazing. Yeah. So K two. Deadliest mountain in the world, by the way. Yes. I read a play called K2. Don't climb and, that shit. Yeah, there's a play called K2 about about the mountain. Right. Well, and there's although, a book called Into Thin Air. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not sure if that's about uh, Everest or K2, but... I don't know. something like that. I don't know. Um, but for K2, let's see. Tempranillo? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> This is your go to. <laughs> Everything else we've been talking about is Alsatian, but suddenly we're talking about red you know, Spanish wine. I, he was made in Barcelona. You know, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, but yeah. thank you for indulging. Yep. Sure. Let me let me think about K2, because I could give him Pinot Noir, like Alsatian Pinot Noir, but mm, that doesn't feel quite right. I feel like Pinot Noir is better for um, the. For, uh, when Jiang. Oh, nice. What's his character's yeah, his name? Big old laser machine gun. Yeah, yeah. Baze? It's it's Baze Mabus. Baze Mabus. Okay, yeah. so Baze. He, he, I think Pinot Noir is a good one for him because he, he's very warm and protective. Yeah. And, and you don't, you don't, he doesn't get quite as much screen time. He's a or, big daddy top bear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. It's very cute. Um... And then, and then Bodhi. Oh, let's see. What should we get Bodhi? Maybe like a Greek wine? Whoa. Whoa, we're in Greece now? You are all over I'm the place. all over the map, man. Whoa. I don't know. Whoa. Ooh, if we're going over to Greece, a good one for, uh, for, for K2 would be one of our favorites. A Syrtico? A Syrtico. I think that's a great one Why for K2. Why a Syrtico for K2? I don't know. Because... Felt right, cause it's rare and funny and beautiful. Yeah, and it's old and wise, and well, it's and it's grown on this trellis thing. But, fair enough. But yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good reason well, for the it. Only reason Sometimes I, s- I don't have a reason for my pairings, guys. <laughs> Sometimes it just feels right. Well, the only reason I said <laughs> Greece for uh, Bodhi was like 
you know, he's the closest. I know he's he is not uh, Persian or Iranian, but he's sort of the closest character to representing the Near oh, East. Well, we could give him and... we could give him a Lebanese wine. Oh, yeah. Lebanon makes wine. Hey, um, now. Lebanon makes wine, kids. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of the, you know, I mean, at this point, probably every every country in the Middle East probably makes wine. It oh, just sure. doesn't get. Yeah. Um, Egypt definitely does. And and uh, there's some really cool old Egyptian varietals. But Lebanon is pretty, you know, renowned for one estate in particular, which is Chateau Moussar. And they... They do sort of Bordeaux-style blends there, but um, interestingly enough, a lot of their wines are Cinso-based. And I think Cinso... Is a different grape? It is a different grape, and that could be a good one for Bodhi. Let's talk about that grape. Let's talk about it. It's, I mean, it's traditionally a more of a Rhone varietal. So so coming from kind of Rhone and Languedoc, so kind of southern France. So, you know, from so from like Bordeaux. So Riverland France. Yeah, yeah. Coastal Middle yeah, East. Yeah. That's kind of cool. No, that, that's, but that's a very smart connection because a lot of what we talk about in – uh, in the wine world is you know is it a is it what kind of climate it, is it obviously and being close to water proximity to water is a big influencer and big indicator of what the the kind of terroir is going to be like mm. and so coming from like you said a lot of riverland in southern france to lebanon doesn't seem like it right. would be we've all seen game of thrones yeah <laughs> But it, it's um, yeah. So to but, go to go from like apples and olives and things mm-hmm. like that to like date palms. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, so you know, like kind of soil. The Cinso, the Cinso in Lebanon is not going to be like the Cinso in you know the Languedoc in France. Right. But but there's something about the soil type or the climate that that between the two that works. Um, and Cinso, it's primarily a blending grape. You hardly see 100% Cinso's, but you see a few. Also, fun fact, uh, we recently had a, uh, a Chilean Cinso. Oh. Yes, which is very different, um, really light, very cool. The one that I had was also made in a very natural way. But I'm feeling like Cinso is the grape of Rogue One because it's kind of tying all of these different places it's together. All over the place. And it also describes a history of conquest. Yes. And it's, and it's a grape that's often forgotten. And it's a grape that is kind of an underdog grape. It's a blending grape. So kind of like this is an ensemble piece. Right. It's part of an ensemble. Yeah. Um, that is another thing I like about um, Rogue One is that it's not necessarily a hero's journey movie. No, no, it's not. Any I more mean, than Saving Private Ryan is. It's it's really about like a group of people who end up giving their lives. And what do they give their lives for? And we need to know why. Yeah. And that's why it's such a great war movie. It really is. It really is. And, um, and I And I do think that you know, much as much as that gin is, you know, the focal point of or at least starts out as the focal point and she's kind of our protagonist going into the movie, it really does become an ensemble piece. Right. Much much more so, I think, than some of the other Star Wars yeah, movies. In the same way that Saving Private Ryan does. Yeah. It's like, well, we start out with Tom Hanks, but he's not really the it's more about this squad of people. We yeah. start out with Tom Hanks, yeah. but Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite undersung actors is Barry Pepper, who plays the sniper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it's it's like that, and it really is a fantastic ensemble film. Mm-hmm. And also... Yeah, well, like it's a movie that Forrest Whitaker's in it, and he's the least memorable right. and part that, of the movie. That is one of the film's few flaws. Yes, but I let's agree. let's talk about a wine you might pair with that last... Oh, Darth geez. Vader sequence because that is it's quite scary. It is very scary, but also in a really like incredibly satisfying way because you realize that besides like besides a little bit in A New Hope, we don't see Darth well, Vader. Empire Strikes Back is the big Darth Vader. Right, but I'm scene. no, but I'm talking about we don't see Darth Vader being cruel. 
Oh, you know what that's I mean? A good point. Yeah. Like we know that he is, right. but but we don't see that a whole lot after A New Hope. Yeah. And yet it's so iconic. Yeah. And in and this so, movie, he just butchers like fifty people. Yeah, yeah. And he's you know, and he's of, you know, Darth Vader is a. Of almost more so than any other character, like a mythical character, right? In in our modern, he's the shade history. in the hero's journey, if you will. Yes, and and so I'm trying to think about a good, a good wine. Oh man, I gotta think of something yeah, good. Wine to pair with like Tempranillo. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is peppery. <laughs> when in doubt, Tempranillo. No, I. Well, actually, like a really great Rioja, like I tasted a, a Muga, uh, I think it was the Selección Especial. It has to be something you can like swirl around. I mean, I, I think I think evil. it's got to be, I think it's got to be a Barolo. I think it's got to okay. be a Barolo because, because... Mr. Bomb, I'm so happy you came. <laughs> you're swirling your yeah, red you're wine. swirling your red wine. Well, the because the reason why I said Barolo is because it traditionally is served in those Pinot Noir glasses that are really wide at the bottom and small at the top, and so you can kind of hold it and and while swirl it around your all while you're cat. yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. or you know, or your queen bee, your little calico fluff ball. <laughs> and, but I think that 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 is a great a, a good wine to pair with that because. Barolos, when they're when they're really great, they just knock you out with how good they are. Right. And and I think that that and and it, they're elegant, but but incredibly tannic at the same time. Right. They and really so make they, your make your taste buds work. A little they bit. really do. They really do. But you know, I can just imagine during that scene drinking a Barolo and just being right. like, yeah, like Darth Vader's got it in one hand. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got a Barolo in one hand and a lightsaber in the other. <laughs> uh, someone make that happen. I know you're. We've got some animators out there. <laughs> but as that scene ends, so I think should our episode end mm. with um, with a little hope. Definitely. And I think um, that the finish of a good Barolo will give you a little hope. Absolutely. That next sip, that next bite. Absolutely. So, I wish you a good and fond cheers. Are we? Are we? We're we're wrapping it up. Well, it seems like a natural place to me. But it does. It does. Well, did we want to talk about Forest Whitaker? Let's about, talk about Forest Whitaker. Yeah. Before we before we wrap up, let's talk about Forest Whitaker because I agree that's the one part of the movie that's a little disappointing. Yeah. He apparently had a much bigger part <laughs> of that particular sequence but they cut like two-thirds of it out oh really yeah so his character was developed and developed and developed and then found to be incompatible with the overall story that like part of the reshoots they did was to kind of move around Saul Guerrero's character um, partly because I think by the time the character was fully like put into the movie yeah he was a little too Che Guevara and they were like Mm -hmm. oh I'm not sure that a blockbuster movie should have like a Mm -hmm. dyed in the wool communist revolutionary Mm -hmm. as one of the heroes and so they really minimized his part that's That's what I read like three years ago when we still lived in Colorado yeah yeah take what I say with a grain of salt but yeah I wonder but that's a, that does that sounds right to me that the, I don't know maybe they thought they took it a little too far or something. Also, I'm just thinking Saul Guerrera. I know it's not spelled the same way, but in Spanish I think would literally be like Sun Warrior. Right. Yeah. So Guerrera yeah. is actually spelled the same way the last name in Spanish uh-huh, is spelled Guerrera. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And. Um, yeah, it's like warrior, right? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, Guerra is war, so right. I'm guessing. But I like the fact that he's he's like poor man Darth Vader, you know? Yeah, that like kind of. he's being replaced by machine parts a part of the time, but because he's not imperial, you know, he's not part of the regime, so it's just like. Something he has to do. I don't know. That that I thought was really incredible. Yeah. A beautiful part of the design of the movie. Absolutely. No, I think what 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 is in the movie of him is is good, but it just it does feel lacking. Yeah. You know, and and 
when um, he's ready to torture and he's ready to do all this stuff, but we don't really see why. We just sort of see yeah, that he's there and yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. And, yeah, you know. so well, so that's that's the the one drawback yeah. of the movie. First of all, not making use of Forrest Whitaker is always a problem. If you have yes. access to Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> what are you, you doing? You put him in the Oscar seat. What and you just are go. you doing? <laughs> um, but I but get that it was a different movie. Than totally, that. totally. And then the other, the other last thing that I wanted to mention about the movie was that was sort of creepy because this was, I think, the first one that this really happened in. But the CGI of recreating dead people, or yeah. or, or at this point, older people, because I don't. Think that Carrie Fisher had died quite yet? She was dead at that point. She was? Yeah. Because she died oh. during the filming of Last Jedi. Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, yes. Although so they she was in parts of Rise of Skywalker. But... Yeah. That's right. That's right. So so to see her and uh Peter Cushing that yeah, yeah cause Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was creepy because it was like I know that's not real. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> and, know you can. Yeah. Do you need to? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, it, yeah, part of that was like, let's show off the technology that we have. Right. And, and like, yeah, Grand Moff Tarkin probably didn't need to be in the movie. But what they were really trying to do, which I think was effective, was like, this is right before right. A New Hope. I get that, and I think they did a good job of accomplishing that goal. I think yeah. that goal is a stupid goal, mm. and it would have been way more powerful mm-hmm. if, say, you know, when, uh, I guess his name is Director Krennic, mm-hmm. if Director Krennic is talking to Gar- Grand Moff Tarkin, and Grand Moff Tarkin never even looks at him. So we yeah. hear his voice. yeah. And somebody can imitate his voice, but we don't actually, like, reanimate his dead fucking face. Yeah. That's creepy. And the same thing. Same with Carrie same Fisher. With, same yeah, with Leia. Yeah, you don't need like, to say, you don't need uh, to see you know, her what, face. what has happened? And she says, hope. And yeah. And it's great. She doesn't have to turn around that's for true. that. Like, you, you can just hand it to her, and and then she's got okay. it. Okay. All right. So, All right. I don't know. I, I grant I, like, you. I, I, I grant you, Hedgehog. I get that the technology is yeah. amazing, but... I think dramatically it was a stupid choice and it's also kind of unsettling. I don't know. In a spiritual way. Yeah. Not that I'm spiritual at all, but yeah. still don't well disturb the ghosts of the glorious dead. Yeah. And on that note, I am one with the force and the, and force, the force is, is with, with me. me and I hope it is with all of you as well. The force will be with you. Always. always. That was really creepy of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, stop it. <laughs> Winston's you, always making things you dirty. Jeez. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw, and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.